0: Tech Sideline is presented by First Bank and Trust Company. They offer free checking with industry-leading mobile banking. Who you choose to bank with can make all the difference. Visit firstbank.com to learn more. What's going on, Hokey Nation? Happy Monday morning. We got the whole crew on set. It's been a very eventful week for Virginia Tech men's and women's basketball. We're going to talk a little bit of football as well. It's all coming up on episode 342 of the Tech Sideline podcast, and it starts right now. Recording on Tuesday, January 22nd, 2024, from our studio at the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Hey, remember to like, subscribe, and refer the show to a friend. And head over to techsideline.com to check out our extensive editorial content. As always, the first month of subscriptions is free. I'm your host, Giovanni Heater, joined alongside Chris Coleman, our lead analyst and columnist. Across the way, managing editor, David Cunningham. Sitting in the fourth chair today, Andy Bitter, our senior staff writer. We got Will joining us here in the studio today, behind the scenes, hanging out, and Nick Brown, the mustache man, producing as well. Tech Sideline, as always, is presented by First Bank and Trust Company. And We open our show today, folks, by talking a little bit of football. Give you about a 15-minute football update. We start with Keonta Jenkins. He's coming back uh, for Virginia Tech. That's confirmed. Andy, you got more for us on that? He's
1: back. (laughs) That's the news. I I, I think – uh, it was sort of trending that way for a while. He didn't make some announcement. I just asked about it last week. I'm like, you know, school started they They've reconvened for practice. Is this guy back? And they're like, yeah, uh, he's back. Clayton Frady is not. He's moved on to, to past football. I believe those are the last two guys that had a COVID year left that we were waiting to hear from. So uh, Keontae coming back, that's big news. I mean, he was, he was a, a, very good player for them last year when he was healthy. Yeah. It looked like he had shoulder problem uh, for part of the year, uh, a couple games where he didn't get as many snaps as he would have hoped. Caleb Woodson uh, getting a lot of work uh, in his absence for some of those, but you know, when he's healthy and he's out there, this is a, a very experienced guy you have at that star linebacker position That. Uh, you know, Brent Pry has talked him up in the past as being sort of what they like at that spot. So to have him back, uh, just another veteran piece on this defense, it's gotta feel good for the Hokies.
2: I would, yeah, I think it's great that he's coming back, and I would move him to safety. Interesting, um, yeah, for a couple of different reasons. You know, number number one, uh, I, I want to you want to get the best eleven players on the football field and and, and in the right positions. Um, I look at a guy like Kelly Lawson, who was one of six players this past week to top out at 20 miles an hour for Virginia Tech. He's a freak athlete. But they're playing him on the short side of the field, inside the tackle box, at at, uh, at the will position. It's it's like the, all that athleticism is going to waste there, in my opinion. It, it's like putting a Ferrari in a, in a monster truck competition. It, it's just not the right fit for him. I would move Keonta Jenkins to safety where he has started before. Where if he wants to make the NFL, that's his best opportunity. And then I would move Lawson to star, get him that athleticism on the wide side of the field where he can make a bigger impact. That's Chris, why I, I would try this spring.
0: I want to piggyback off that. By the way, nice shirt. Thank uh, you. Like that. Appreciate I like that. Um, I want to piggyback off that. Ask you what goes into that. Does he have to lose a little bit of weight in order to make that that transition, or is it uh, a, a pretty easy fix?
2: Uh, I think. I mean, if he's already t- if he's his weight now is 220 to 225 and he's still topping out at 20 miles an hour which is one of the six fastest speeds on the team he doesn't need to lose any weight Um, I, I just think he I think he would be better as a football player with more space to operate in where he can take advantage of his speed and he's getting blocked there by slot receivers and by tight ends rather than offensive tackles and offensive guards I just think it's a better fit for him as a football player
0: would you see him at free safety or strong safety Uh, or does uh, it matter
2: you know he's played obviously as is the uh, star linebacker on the wide side of the field so Mm -hmm. he's used to playing on the wide side of the field at you know which is the same side the free safety plays on I I think that's up up for up for competition this spring Uh, Tech has a bunch of guys who have played strong safety but, you know, Nasir Peoples is gone. who's going to play free safety? A lot of times in the spring, you know, tech, whether it's the former staff or the current staff, and it goes even back to the Frank Beamer days, they don't necessarily do a free safety and a strong safety in the spring. Um, they, they just do left safety and right safety. That way they can get a look at everybody, both on the short side and the wide side, and try to figure out who's the best fit. That's how I would approach things this spring. Uh, I, I think, you uh, I think with the way McDonald played at will down the stretch, he's your best option there. But I also think uh, Kelly Lawson is one of your best 11 players if he's playing in the right position. So, And I know Tech's going to need another safety or at least more safety depth too. So I think those position changes could potentially solve some issues for the Tech defense.
3: Yeah, I think at a position where like the linebackers struggled at times last year and Keonta Jenkins battled, some injury stuff, when he was in the game, he was almost the definition of reliable. You know what you're going to get out of Keonta Jenkins there if you know. If the staff does what, what Chris is kind of alluding to and, and and looking into moving Jenkins to safety. He's got a safety background. It's not like it's this foreign country to him. He, he's familiar. His first game at Virginia Tech
2: as a true freshman, it. he started at free safety against NC State.
3: That was in COVID, during covid Correct. during covid yeah but but i mean he earned he, the job yeah he yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and i i think i think he's a guy you you look at that linebacker room there were so many unknowns this year if he stays at linebacker well you know what you have in him if he moves well you know you're doing it for the betterment of the linebacker room and i think you add like if you look at virginia tech's linebackers right now you got Keontae Jenkins and you add Sam Brumfield. Like those are are two really really valuable reliable guys. Um, you know if Jenkins does does end up moving, okay, well that means the staff feels comfortable with what they have at the uh, at, you know behind him. Um, but if not, you know that those are two guys that you can probably rely on next year.
0: Mr. Bitter, I wanted to ask you, what does all this mean when you look at the scholarships for Virginia Tech with a guy like that coming back?
1: Well, I've got them. uh, Look at my little handy chart here, which is available uh, online. I've got them at 89 scholarships total right now. That includes everybody that's enrolling uh, in the summer that's not here yet. So there's going to be more attrition. Uh, I mean, you need four more just to hit the 85 number. Uh, Whether you get there with some medicals, some guys that uh, enter the transfer portal later on, Uh, You know, they're past the point where Brent Pry used to have that tool as a new coach where you could just remove people from the roster. They'd stay on on scholarship, but they wouldn't be uh, playing anymore. A couple of receivers, I believe, went that route uh, before. Uh, That's not available anymore, so they're going to have to nudge guys in a certain direction to, to get down to the number, but they'll get down to the number. They always do. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if they went past 85 to get to 84, 83 and possibly bring in a transfer to uh, to bolster the roster in some other spots.
0: Chris, you brought up that 20 mile an hour club uh, yeah. th- th- that was a couple of days ago. It was pretty cool. They had a uh, literally a speed limit type sign. Everybody autographed it, took a picture with it. Uh, you want to break down the list for us and, and anybody, anybody jump out to you that surprised you at all? CJ
2: McCray, defensive end, one of the six players. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's impressive. Now, you're not in a situation too often where a defensive end is actually going to get up to 20 miles an hour, uh, ideally. If, if it does, then it's because he's chasing guys down the field. on long Daddy runs.
1: Nicholas chasing down a guy in the Wrestle Athletic Bowl. Exactly what that is,
2: <laughs> yep. Uh, Bysol Tutin. Is on the list. Like he doesn't really look fast until you see him running away from people and you're like, wow, I guess he is fast. Or he UVA, always
0: just seems to get around the edge. Yeah, yeah. UVA probably thought he was pretty
2: fast. Probably so, yeah. Touchdowns. Uh so did Florida State. Um Thomas Williams, red shirt freshman defensive back. Uh I think he's been a corner. I know he was hurt this past preseason. He's another guy who I think, you know, could also be a safety. And with this kind of top speed i would think maybe even free safety on the wide side of the field if, if they wanted to experiment with him there joshua clark true freshman corner uh it's good to see him enroll and then immediately stand out in strength of conditioning <coughs> kelly lawson we already talked about that and then pop watson
0: Interesting. Yeah. All right, so so you got literally guys all over the field when you, yeah. you work in defensive ends, quarterbacks, obviously the guys you expect is your your skill, you know your running backs and, and your corners uh, and things like that. Well, the ACC schedule uh, reveal is coming up kind of pieces in the next couple of days. They say the big one is on the ACC network on the 24th. So Wednesday, two days from now, Uh, Andy, can you kind of break down for us what we're going to hear when the importance of it, uh, when it comes to the ACC schedule, reveal the next couple of days.
1: Uh, For some reason they are doing this over three days when, uh, you know, I tweeted, this is, this could have been an email. You can just send this out. You don't need to do a TV show uh, over three days with this. It's kind of ridiculous how they've turned these scheduled releases into this, you know, days of programming. The ACC is doing it this way. Week one schedule revealed tonight. Uh, I think everybody but two teams knows who they're playing in week one. Boston so. College or Florida
2: State. Yeah. What's the reveal? That
1: Florida State is playing Boston College? Is that what it's going to be? Uh, I'm <laughs> Tech will not play sure. Vanderbilt. Yeah, Down tomorrow night. which uh, We're recording this Monday. Uh, on Tuesday, they will be revealing the Thursday and Friday night specialty games. Uh, and then Wednesday, the rest of the schedule. I mean, the, part of the ridiculousness of this is we know who they're playing they've known who they're playing for a while. We know who they're playing in 20, you know, through 2030 yeah. right now in the <laughs> ACC, which is perhaps a bit optimistic about what the ACC membership will look like at that point in time, but I mean we know the opponents. We know the times for five, or days for five of the games basically. We know the four non-conference games, Vanderbilt, Marshall, Old Dominion, Rutgers, and we know UVA is going to be the last game of the season. So, you know, whether that's on Friday, Thursday, Saturday, it'd probably be Saturday uh, at this point. But, you know, we're filling in the blanks on seven of the games. And when do they play these teams? And like, there's a little bit of analysis to do there in terms of like, oh, here's a couple road games in a row. But I, I don't know why they hype this so much in the middle of, the, in middle of January. Like, Here's the release. It's like we know who's on the schedule. Just send it out in an email and we can move along.
0: Well, there's been a small rumor bug going around that that maybe uh, Old Dominion <coughs> is not going to be a continued partnership on the schedule. There was talk that there's a possibility, and this was all on the message boards, by the way, uh, that maybe they don't play this year, right? Um, can we put that to rest? Can we talk about that a little bit here on the set? My understanding is
1: this, this year's game is on. At ODU Now, I, I think you know there might be discussions down the line in terms of how if they continue this uh, partnership, which, I mean, shoot, it goes through 2031. Uh, I know that's been sort of a sticking point with a lot of Hokies fans about playing this team this long in a home-and-home. Home. I think, you know, Tech might like some schedule flexibility with that, and the penalty for buying out isn't too great. But I, I think it's too late at this point to do it for this year, and I, I would fully expect them to go to, to Norfolk this year to play the game. Yeah, um,
2: I we've heard that Tech is wants to buy out of it we don't know for a fact but we've heard that that's that's what Witt wants to do uh that could be because he just knows the fans hate it it could be because Pry is like look we need to play an FCS team every year like everybody else to get ourselves one guaranteed win you know one more guaranteed win uh every year or it could be a combination of, of all those things uh there's no way ODU is gonna be like oh sure we'll let you out of it this late in the process cuz then both teams would have to find a new opponent for this year and football schedules are generally done at least 2 to 3 years in advance. Um I think ODU this is my gut feel of how it'll happen. It's it's not they're not going to buy out of it now. This year's game is going to be on at ODU and ODU is going to treat it as okay, yeah, this will be the last game we'll let you buy us out after this year. We'll take one last crack at you at home this year and we'll paint you as the villain. Who's trying to buy out of the of the series because you always lose at Old Dominion, right? So it'll it'll be like the two thousand three pit game, West Virginia game when Virginia Tech's leaving the big east and those fan bases hated Virginia Tech and they went all out. Uh, When Virginia Tech came to their towns that year, I think that's that's how this is shaping up for me. I think that's how it'll it'll go down. That being said, Tech should not have any trouble going there and winning the the game this year.
1: It's not as if bad things haven't happened at Norfolk before. Well, I mean, you look back at the first two games there. I mean, it was the the wake up call, you know, warning shot of the Fuente era. It was like, oh, things are not right with this program at that point. Trayvon Hill gets kicked out of the program the day after that game. They lose Josh Jackson to a broken foot. I mean, all the things that happened in that game is a turning point for that, that program and that coaching staff. And then the last time they go down there, Brent Price debut, they lose the game. They get burglarized at halftime in their locker room. I mean, it's stuck in an elevator. Stuck in yeah, elevator. yeah, stuck in the elevator. I mean, All the things. <laughs> Connor Blumler ran into a fan coming off the field, oh, gave God. a little something extra I there. About I mean, that. Everything about that, about this series, is just been disastrous for Virginia
2: Tech in twenty eighteen. David
1: Cunningham got an unsportsmanlike flag on the
2: sideline.
3: <laughs> don't don't forget I mean, don't forget about the the like the snap the. The, oh yeah yeah the keystone the cops snap
1: yeah. uh That's yeah right. i mean it just everything has gone wrong for this program when they've gone down there and you look at the series and, and you can kind of see why virginia tech would want out of it it's like what is the upside of this yeah. you go down there and lose and people make fun of you for it forever you go down there and win you would be like well you're supposed to win you're you're playing odu it's like okay <laughs> what is the upside to this and i know people say oh visibility and recruiting it's like is it really that big of a deal? Every game is on TV at this point. You're down there. Like, I, I don't feel like it's as, as big of a deal from a uh, visibility standpoint as, as people might make it out to be. So, uh, and there are other interesting games that you could play instead. And this gives you a little more flexibility to go out and find some. So, uh, you know, the series has perhaps run its course. I don't think it's run its course in terms of this is the last time we'll, we'll they'll play the game, but uh, I think there's probably some thoughts within the athletic department that, hey, there are other games out there that you could go pursue if you get out of this.
0: When what, what are, what are we going to see Tech play JMU? Is that is that something that we could cook it's up? The 2026? Like 2026. There we go. There we go. Yeah. There's the answer right there. Well, we're making excellent time, gentlemen, and uh, I commend you for that. Uh, anything else on football before we move on to some men's hoops talk?
2: I don't think so.
1: We're just waiting on the schedule to come out. And could
2: then, have been an email. Yeah could have yeah, been. It's, been it I mean, even. It's so
1: ridiculous. They're trying to pump up this ACC show at four o'clock. It's like, come tune in. It's like, really, just put it out. Just you know it, what I will say? It. You I can will tweet say, these they, days. they should
3: be spending their time talking about their like the basketball right now. Like Andy, Andy said earlier. Like, oh, I didn't realize there were there are seven ACC women's basketball teams in the top twenty-five. Like, this is a good basketball conference, especially on the women's side. They've got a great men's basketball matchup. I believe it's tonight. Um, I don't think it's on, I think it's on ESPN. It's Carolina Wake. Like Carolina is like a top 10 team in the country as is Duke. Like they should be talking about basketball, but instead they're going to spend three days talking about this football schedule. That doesn't happen until the fall.
0: Listen, we all know that football pays the bills and that, that's just how it rolls, uh, especially in the world of, of television. Um, well, we do move on to men's basketball. Now uh, we will tell everybody though we're going to have a show here Thursday morning, early Thursday morning. We're going to get here uh, and we're going to talk our thoughts on the uh, Virginia tech football schedule when we know everything. So definitely be on the lookout for that. These guys are going to have articles throughout the week uh, is my understanding. As well, uh, talking after all about we, the football. After we schedule. say how
1: ridiculous just the schedule reveal is, is like we're going to dedicate a whole podcast. Yeah, gonna <laughs> talk. So, we're going to plug our Hypocrites, stuff, all of us, right here.
0: Yeah, no doubt about. it. Yeah, we are. We are doing a, its own dedicated podcast, so that there is some there is some humor in that. Nevertheless, well, oh, Virginia Tech men's basketball. You got a tough loss, and you got a big win, uh, and the win really is colossal. But first, we'll talk about the loss. Uh, it was Wednesday <coughs> on the road in Charlottesville. Man, you hate losing at J P J. The Hokie haven't won there since 2018. 65-57, the final score. Sean Padula leads the way in that one with 18 points, but it just felt like Tech never really found their footing offensively. And I ask you guys this, was it... Tech couldn't get things going offensively, or is UVA's defense that good? We know that's the brand of Tony Bennett and that team, and they seem very impressive, uh, especially on the inside against the Hokies. Well, you know, they're, they're a top-20
2: team in defensive efficiency, maybe top-15 now I haven't looked at the updated uh, numbers. But, yeah, I mean, they're a really good defensive team, and they're unbeaten at home. So if you, 14. It, 14. There you go. 14th in adjusted defensive efficiency. Uh, so I think if you told me at the start of last week – that Virginia Tech would split two road games against Virginia and NC State, I would have taken it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would take that anyway. If you play two road games I say you and you say, yeah, you can win one of them, I'd be like, I'll take it right now. That, that's how hard road games are to win.
3: Yeah, I. Th- what UVA did was really take Virginia Tech's front court out of the game. I thought Elijah Potee was pretty good, but Lynn Kidd was almost invisible at times. Jordan Minor um the the transfer from merrimack was awfully good he had 16. um to, to defend uva i mean it's all the you know uva's all this blocker mover stuff and um guys curling off screens and then you run you roll in the pick and roll action and text tech was fine until it got into pick and roll action and the bigs kind of got lost especially kid got lost in that and jordan minor got a bunch of looks at the rim kind of open um, some of them he missed. Um, on the other end, UVA's defense is very good, and Virginia Tech struggled to score, struggled to take care of the ball, which, of course, is a theme, which we'll talk a lot about. Um, but when you're not scoring and and your defense isn't quite there, you also have to remember that this is the first game back for Hunter Couture, and I thought he was good, but um, it just was not Virginia Tech's night. And it it isn't – Tech's night a lot of times it goes to JPJ. I mean, Tech's lost 10 of the last 11. That is a tough place to win. Virginia has the longest home win streak in the country. Like, it's a – that's a good team in a tough place to play. Tech just did not play well.
0: Plain and simple. Anything else on that UVA game (coughs) you guys want to dive into before we uh, kind of bring it back to the positive and talk about this big win on the road uh, at PNC Arena?
2: Yeah. Yeah, i missed it's not like Tech went on there, went up there and got
3: blown out like they yeah. did. Yeah, I mean, it was waste. close. They were competitive. I, yeah. I think the biggest thing is that I, I was very interested to see the NC State game because that was a team that is an NC State team that is much more athletic. Like, like Virginia Tech, Virginia is a team Tony Bennett recruits to his system. You get guys who maybe aren't the most athletic, but they're good on both ends and they play good defense and they excel offensively usually in that system nc state's a little bit different a lot of athleticism bigger faster stronger guys that don't really play as much system basketball the fact that virginia tech turned the ball over as much as it did in that uva game and was still in the game was impressive to me like tech played well enough in that second half to be in the game But the bottom line is you can't turn the ball over 10 or 12 times in that first half. Yes, Tech shot itself in the foot too many times. I think it was 15 turnovers, 10 in the first half, 5 in the second. Tech played well in the second half. The problem has been when Tech has gone on the road this year up until Saturday, it did not start the game well. It turned the ball over way too many times. I think back to the Wake Forest game. I was not in—I don't know if the word was encouraged— but I was like, oh, okay, the fact that Tech pulled within 6.6 different times in the second half, all you need is to hit one basket, and you're right there. Like, like Tech, Tech was there. It wasn't like Tech got the doors blown off at UVA, which has happened in the past. Uh, so I think that's a positive. And then you flip the script to Saturday, and, and Tech, I think, again, a different NC State team who is not as good defensively. Um, but I think Tech kind of excelled in the areas it was supposed to on Saturday, uh, and still turn the ball over a lot, but was able to overcome that
0: and, and come out with a win against a team that is not nearly as good defensively as UVA is. Let's sit the table a little bit uh, with this NC State win on the road down in Raleigh on Saturday. It was really an interesting day all across the conference. Saturdays in college basketball are always fun because pretty much everybody's playing, uh, right? Virginia Tech comes away with an 84-78 win against an NC State team that was receiving top 25 votes. They were not in the AP top 25, but they were uh, in that Upper echelon, no doubt. This was a big win for Virginia Tech. First road ACC win. Hunter Couture uh, shoots the lights out. He has 19 points uh, for Virginia Tech. Easy to look at the box score here and say, oh, Tech won because they shot the ball so well. 47% from beyond the arc, 53% from the floor. But I know you guys both believe that there's more than meets the eye there. David, what went so right for Virginia Tech besides the ball just simply going in the hoop?
3: Tech defended very well. Uh, DJ Burns. Uh, I saw some folks on the message board are making we're we're joking because he's listed at like six nine two seventy five. If I he's two
2: seventy five, I'm one thirty.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I believe he's. I'm. I'm pretty sure he's listed at two seventy five. Yes, he is. Uh, he's a as Mike Young referred to him as a truck. He's a he is a big big matchup. And the thing that makes him such a difficult matchup is he's an excellent passer out of the post. I thought Virginia Tech was phenomenal in defending him. He's he's tricky because you converge, you have to converge at a certain moment because he'll pick his pass and and dish it out, and then your defense is in rotation. And I thought what Tech did was kind of what a little bit of what Wake Forest did the other day against NC State. Wait, you know Burns could catch it. Take as soon as he like started backing down. Or like turned to the basket. As soon as he started moving, Tech had a guy kind of sitting there and they brought the help. It was a late help. Late yeah. help, yes. Yeah. It was not immediate. It wasn't as soon as he caught it. There, there was
2: a play in the second half, what I, I, I think uh, is dead on to what you're describing, where Baron came over and helped really late. He had already committed himself to the shot. So he couldn't pass it at that point. But Barron getting there, basically as soon as he turned and was going up to shoot, just altered yeah. everything for him, and he missed the shot. I thought the timing of
3: that was excellent. Yeah, there was one under the basket um, where like, Burns basically spun. I think Makai Long was like, right there in his face. And it was, just, it was a scrappy game. Um, NC State had a season-high 18 turnovers. Tech had 20, but Tech played good defense. Shot the ball well offensively. I mean, in the in that second half, Tech Tech did did not miss after the nine minute mark. That's, that's like Tech was fourteen of sixteen from the free throw line and made all nine of its remaining field goals. Wow, that's how efficient Tech was. Um, and Tech overcame turnovers. And this team, this is Mike Young. Mike Young's been doing this for a really long time. This is his second ever team that is below two hundred in Ken Palm's adjusted turnover or, or just turnovers percentage and over metric. 20 years as a head coach it was like this 22. is the second team yeah. this is only this is the second time in tech's acc era that tech is below that the other one was james johnson's second to last or second and last season it's a kind of an outlier like mike young's teams don't turn the ball over and, his
2: first team at virginia tech which was kind of just scraped together yeah they were fourth nationally in turnover rate So this year is very much an anomaly, and this is going to be my inside the numbers this week. On average, people blame it on athleticism. That's just what the basic fan says when I read Twitter, when I read the message boards, things like that. Tech isn't athletic enough, so they turn it over. Mike Young's five teams at Virginia Tech, if you average out their turnover rate over five years, they have a better turnover rate than Buzz Williams' uber-athletic teams had over his five seasons. Yeah. And... This year is the outlier, but even including this year, the average is still better for Mike Young's teams in terms of turnover rate. This year's team has a turnover problem, for sure, but it's not an an athleticism issue. Like, Sean Sean Padule is a better athlete than Storm Murphy. Much better athlete than Storm Murphy. Um, But Storm Murphy had a better turnover rate. So it's it's not an athleticism thing; it's yeah. a decision making thing.
3: Yeah, and, and it's not just Padula. And I thought Correct. I thought you, exactly. I thought you had a really good article last week, kind of talking about Tech's turnover issues. And now it's not just Padula. And
2: he only has the fifth highest turnover rate on the team. There are four players ahead of him in turnover rate. I know he now he has the overall the most number of turnovers because the balls in his hands more than anybody else. Yeah. But uh, this this is a, this has a, been a team wide issue.
3: Yeah. Um I, I I think this this team like I think the NC State game and, and the Hokies were up one, I believe, at halftime, despite 12 first half turnovers. The NC State game is proof that Virginia Tech is a above average basketball team because it turned the ball over 20 times and won. On the road, you have to do a lot of things right to be able to do that. You have to you have to shoot well, defend well. Like a bunch of other things, well, to even be have the opportunity and Tech won by by six, yeah. like to win comfort a little comfortably on the road when you turn the ball over, like that. I think, in my opinion, that shows that, that Tech is a an above average team. Just got to figure out the turnovers. Right, just got to figure it out. And and um, you know, Mike Young was on the AC teleconference this this morning and talked about uh just how he needs to get Padula off the ball a little bit more. I think MJ Collins, who in my opinion is playing better basketball, he's defending pretty well. He's moving the ball. Uh, he's been. I thought he was big against NC State as being a secondary ball handler, being able to relieve some stress from Padula because NC State's pressing the entire game. Um, getting Padula off the ball, I think that will make the t- overall turnovers go down if the other guys can hang on to it. And I think mm-hmm. that's the trick I, across the board. Tech is not. Turn the ball over, or has not been able to take care of the ball well. Um, but if tech can do that, like, and again, Mike Young's team, don't turn it over. And, and I, Mike was on tech talk live and uh, talking, he, he used said the same thing after the NC state game. He said, you should be able to spend 15 minutes watching a team practice, watching guys practice and figure out what they care about when they play basketball. He's like, if you watch our team, you will be able to tell that they care about not turning the ball over. He's like, I scratch my head. It's infuriating. I don't understand why they turn it over. And, um, you know, sometimes it's like, like I'm, I'm trying to run through all the different plays in my head. Padula's had a couple. Like he had a couple against UVA where the ball just like rolled, s- slipped away. Yeah, rolled yeah. away, dribbled away, slipped away from him. Um, a couple where. You know, ball goes to Lynn Kidd, and he just doesn't catch it. Right, a couple
2: where he gets tackled at mid court by a three hundred pound center. Yeah, I was well, gonna say
1: it was a nice clean
2: steal by Burns on <laughs> that play. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, there, it's
3: there. It's it, two seventy five, Chris. Yeah, there are a bunch of different like types of turnovers. Some of them have been forced, and and but I thought Padula said it well after the UVA game. And he was very, very frustrated, and he, was, he took responsibility for it, but he said, I don't think UVA really forced a lot of turnovers. I think they put us in bad sh- spots defensively. They made us take bad shots, but they did not turn us over. Mm. And, and if Tech can, can be better Tech's going to be a much better team overall because Tech's shooting the ball better. I think the offense is flowing better. Like, when Tech gets in the half court and Tech doesn't turn the ball over, Tech's been really, really good. And Tech's defended better lately. So I think that I think that kind of just shows, like, this team has a lot of potential. Um, you know, I think Hunter Kator and Sean kind of carried the, the load down the stretch in the second half. They scored the ball very well. Um, you know, but to go on the road in the ACC and win it's not easy. I mean, that was Tech's first road win of the season. And now you come back home, you come back to Blacksburg, you got three straight home games. The students are back, the band is back. Tech hasn't hasn't played in front of Castle Guard since before Christmas, which is a long time. Now you come back and you're at home and and you've got two very winnable games, Boston College, Georgia Tech, and you got a Duke team coming in next Monday. Like this is a this is a a very interesting stretch for Virginia Tech and if it can Take two or three, you put yourself in good position going forward.
2: Yeah, um, let me share a little story here. Let's let's so hear it. I, I woke up on Saturday morning. All right, you have a cheeseburger? No, I did not. I was not. Just I did, I, ask him I that. Well, I have that. two stories, and I have a cheeseburger story too. <laughs> yeah. All right, so when Tech uh, when Tech was struggling, um, I did, and before the before they played Clemson, I was like, you know what? I'll see if I can start the cheeseburger streak again. So. Uh, where did I? Go? I went to Bull and Bones and I got a cheeseburger before that game, and and they won, so I'm like. All right. Cheeseburger streak started again, and then I had a cheeseburger before the Miami game, and they lost. So I tried to just start the cheeseburger streak again. Andy, I'm
1: not even sure I think you this. just wanted cheeseburgers. Sounds I do like, like cheeseburgers. You're looking for excuses to buy yeah, well, cheeseburgers. There
2: was, a, there was a point where they won like 12 games in a row when I ate a cheeseburger
1: before Oh, the game. well. And that was the ACC title. Direct titles. correlation. Was the There's ACC, no other explanation. That was the
2: ACC title stretch. There you go. The whole ACC tournament, I had a cheeseburger I think several
1: other people had uh, yeah. different superstitions. Yeah. I think Clark Ruland kept going to Taco Bell yeah, or something like that. Yes, he did. Like Taco like, Bell. God bless um, you. Colin for driving them through this (laughs) this ACC tournament run. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, all right, so
2: the story I was really going to tell, like you remember the Florida State game two years ago where you went into that game and you are like, Tech has no chance to win this game. Did that feel like? I actually woke up on Saturday morning and I'm like, this feels vaguely weird. Like, the team doesn't have a very good record. You're on the road against a team that on paper you don't match up well against. But I was like, you know what, we'll probably win just because. Right, and I had that thought, and I, I kind of had a, a little deja, deja vu. A little deja vu, and I was making breakfast. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna, I need to go post this on the board while uh, while I'm in my head. But I've, I've got my breakfast, still, on, on, you know, and cooking, and I'm like, I'll, I'll post it after I eat breakfast. And then I promptly forgot. Um, but yeah, I, I had a weird feeling Saturday morning when I woke up after feeling the whole week like Tech was going to lose. I woke up on Saturday morning and I thought they were going to win. It's just very strange weird. feeling. But that's what happened. Hopefully, hopefully, it's like two years ago, and and you start rolling off a bunch of wins. I
3: I think the biggest thing is Virginia Tech is three and four, instead of you look at the last couple years, Virginia Tech was like (laughs) one and six and Mm -hmm. two and five, like.
2: And they've got two quad one wins right now. That's going to fluctuate because Boise is like right exactly 50th. But
3: but you look at Virginia Tech's two, two, the last two ACC wins. Clemson, if Clemson plays better, that's a quadrant one win. NC State, if NC State plays well, that's a quadrant one win. Mm -hmm. Those are your two of your three ACC wins. Those are that's important, right? And we talk about in the past couple years, the ACC wasn't good enough. Like you didn't get quadrant one wins. Like Virginia Tech has two of them now in the first of of its first three wins, And, and I think if if Tech. It's going to be very interesting because Tech might not be able to reach 20 wins. But if Tech can get to 18-19 and stack up a bunch of Q1s... It's
2: got to be a bunch now. You yeah. put
3: yourself in that conversation. And I th- I think it really all depends. Bo- Boise State has to continue to play well. Uh, Iowa State, obviously, is going to be a Q1 win. Um, but, like, Tech's resume is not bad. Right. Tech just...
2: It's just not, not for an 11 win team. They've got the best resume you could ask for for an 11 win win team right now. Uh, It's a shame Couture missed the Miami game because, you know, 12 and 6 sounds a lot better than 11 and 7, and 4 and 3 in the ACC sounds a lot better than 3 and 4, especially with these, this home stretch coming up. Uh, Now you got Boston College and, uh, you got to win
0: that. Uh, yeah.
2: and, and right. Georgia Tech, no, too. No, you know, it, normally you'd be like, okay, Boston College at home. Tech is better than Boston College. But also, Mike Young's never beaten Boston College, oh, oddly enough. five. Crazy. Yeah. It's they, not like BC's putting a bunch of super teams out there on the court either.
3: No, no. no. To,
0: to preview Boston College, just for a brief sec. Quinton Post, they're... Mm. Uh, Feels like he's been there for forever. Yeah,
3: he's he's very good. He can step out, shoot the three. He's good down low. He and Graham Basilia went toe to toe last year. Quite
2: a good post player. Huh. Uh, played him uh, uh,
3: twice uh, last year, right? Uh, yeah. the The one in Boston Couture didn't play, and then t- uh, BC barely they beat beat barely Tech twice. Out. Right? Yeah. Um, this is a game Virginia Tech should win. But again, it's it's gonna Boston College is very good offensively, not as good defensively. Virginia Tech comes out and defends like it did, disciplined. It's gonna like. This team has been better defensively most of the year. If it comes out and plays good defense against Boston College, it'll win. I I mean,
2: I think that's a point we have to bring up because we talked about all in the preseason, this team has to be better defensively. I think they were, what, 139th in adjusted defensive efficiency last season, something like that. Uh, They're 46th right right now. And 46th with all those turnovers, right? Like, they've given up a number of points off turnovers this year. Their basic half-court defense, I, I would say, would probably be top 40 in defensive efficiency if, if they could throw out the turnover disparity. Uh, I think they've made massive improvements on, on that end of the court. It's not always perfect. I think they could have done better there against UVA, for example. But uh, they're playing good enough defense to make the
0: NCAA tournament. Yeah. Um, the issue is turnovers. turnovers. Yep. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: And consistently, like there's some days where you know you, you can't miss, and then there's other days uh, like that UVA it, game it where helps, you can't buy one. It helps
3: where you when you yeah. make a hundred percent of your shots over nine minutes. Yeah, well, yeah. I, and I think that's tough because it's like that's a stretch against a really good defense. Um, tech Tech didn't exactly like what 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 plagues Tech is over the final fifteen minutes of the first half at Virginia.
0: Tech had three field goals. You can't mm. like you can't sustain games mm. like that. You you can't end the first half with 18 points and really 15 because Couture hit a, a a pretty much buzzer beating three to give him 18 before the break. I mean it's very difficult to win a game that way.
3: The fact that Tech was
0: in that like the fact that that game was an eight point game and it was that
3: close after Virginia Tech had the first half struggles it did, like I think that shows that the team is figuring it out. And and here's the other thing. I, I joked with maybe it was you after the game at the UVA game, Geo. But like, I fully expect when Virginia comes to Castle in a couple of weeks for Big Monday, I fully expect Tech to, to win and and win by eight to ten points because Tech is very good at home. UVA is not very good on the not road. Gonna. And Castle will be rocking because Tech will And Tech, it's, won't, and Tech it, it's very unlikely that Tech will <clears throat> make three field goals in fifteen minutes again, right? Like. You, and I think, and I think these two games this past week were games where Virginia Tech really learns about itself. You learn about yourself. You learn about how you how you stick together defensively, because I think teams the last couple of years, like if Tech if Tech is two and five, this is a completely different conversation. Mm-hmm. If Tech does not beat NC State, yeah, but Tech is in a much better spot. Tech went on the road and was able to kind of bounce back from a road loss. Went on the road like that. That takes a lot of credit. That, that takes a lot of lot to overcome. It takes a lot of guys sticking together um, to turn the ball over that much. Like Tech's in a much better spot Two win two games this week, Tuesday, Boston College, nine o'clock ugh. Uh, Saturday against Georgia Tech. you gotta you gotta win these two games. These are these are games you have to win. but if you do,
0: you're sitting there at five and four in the ACC and 13 and seven and it looks a lot better. Before the Duke game too, and and that could set up if you win the next two, that could set up a real real fun big Monday uh, inside the castle against the Blue Devils, who are currently seventh in the country. Andy wanted to give you the opportunity. You can also tell me you got nothing. I but actually to speak. W-
1: I watched both of these games this week. I was pleasantly surprised to find out I had the CW on my roster. <laughs> it, like
0: wasn't on the guide,
1: but then it showed up when I went into the home thing. I'm like, all right, it, it's just not on my listing nice. of channels. So I did watch the whole game. I think what strikes me about this is you know you look at the ACC. And how these games play out, it seems like every game is kind of similar. And this like, it's a tight game with like five minutes left. And then how you play down the stretch. I mean, you saw Virginia Tech played against NC State. They, they really, you know, open it up there with like four or five stops in a row. And then their coutures hitting baskets, Padula, uh, you know, got it going offensively at the right time there at the tail end. They pull away for a comfortable win there, maybe a little less comfortable than they wanted it to be in the, the final minutes with how they played there. But it seems like every game that they play in Miami, Florida State, uh, you know, Virginia wasn't exactly a blowout, but it wasn't like it wasn't tight, but it, like five points max lead or something like that every game is tight and I feel like that's going to be the case with a lot of ACC games this year because you know with the exception of UNC I mean I guess Duke in that conversation too but you know Duke just lost to Pitts yeah struggle against Georgia Tech lost to Georgia Tech earlier this year I mean there's it's not quite Duke all caps Duke I I think it's UNC uh, space Duke (laughs) space and then Everybody else in the ACC, Louisville way at the bottom. (laughs) But uh, I mean, there's a lot of similar teams, and it's got to be a a lot of competitive games, and it's just going to be, you know, a dogfight in some of these games to to get through and win at the end. Now, I'm curious this week how Virginia Tech handles it against two teams it should beat that Historically, maybe it doesn't always beat <laughs> or ever beat in BC's case. <laughs> uh, it seems like I mean, they need these two wins, they need them badly. You need to start stacking up some wins, uh, even before you talk about you know beating a Duke or maybe UNC and getting some of those marquee wins on their schedule. They just need wins, period. And, the, and this is the perfect opportunity for them to do that.
3: Well said. Uh, I want to talk about that Duke pick first. Let it rip. Let it rip. Uh, that was fun. that picture. I assume you, you know what I'm Blake referencing Blake Henson. Yeah on the, he jumped on press row in front of the Cameron crazies after Pitt beat duke did you see that oh yeah were days telling, after
0: we were there david
3: i know i was like i they I'm were like all telling there them was that- there was nobody like not there weren't nobody there but there, there was like <coughs> there was nobody on press row for the women's game like yeah. we were there on thursday barely mm-hmm. anybody there and then a couple of days later for the men's game he jumps on press <laughs> row first of all that is not like it's like as wide as like this arm of the chair. Yeah. Like it's oh, not yeah. very wide. Yeah. And he's like standing on I'm like, oh my God, he's going to fall. But like, yeah. that was awesome. And the the number of like double birds he was getting. Yeah. No <laughs> doubt.
2: Oh, it'll be one of the Certainly iconic Certainly telling me was number in one in, in their hearts out there. <laughs> yeah. Of
3: all the iconic pitchers yeah.
2: in the history
0: of
1: pit basketball.
0: That's up there. That's oh, that's up there. there. No <laughs> doubt about it. That's got to be up there. That it's was that cool and one.
1: Jerome Ford breaking the backboard on the dunk. Or those oh, that's are, pretty those much it. Those are the two. Probably the only two.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that uh, puts a little bit of a close of the book here on our uh, men's basketball conversation. Again, it's a big week. Boston College coming up on uh, Tuesday. That's tomorrow and then Saturday against Georgia Tech before they turn right around and play top 10 Duke inside Castle for big Monday, uh, a week from today. As always, Tech Sideline is presented by First Bank and Trust Company. As our presenting sponsor, First Bank and Trust Company support has been invaluable to TSL, helping us to bring you all the great content across all of our platforms. Who you choose to bank with can make all the difference. Bank with First Bank and Trust Company. Visit firstbank.com to learn more. Oh boy, let's unpack what's going on in the world of women's basketball and we start the headliner injuries. For Virginia Tech, Georgia Amore goes down in the second half uh, against the Duke Blue Devils Hokies ended up uh, falling on the road down in Durham. Then Kayla King goes out late in the ball game uh, against Clemson just yesterday. <laughs> Hokies bounce back they beat Clemson it wasn't necessarily easy throughout uh but they do end up pulling away towards the end in the second half uh in front of a pretty good crowd in Castle but the the really thing that stands out here tech and injuries are a part of it loses back-to-back games for the first time since 2021-2022 when they lost in the ACC tournament semifinal and then got upset uh, by 12 seed Florida Gulf Coast in the NCAA tournament
3: yeah that Duke is a good team uh Again, there are seven ranked ACC women's basketball teams. Um, Duke is a very good team, and Duke is not one of them, which kind of just tells you about the state of, of the ACC. And on, on Sunday, Virginia had not won a road game in the ACC yet. Went down and upset Florida State. Like, like this league is is very good top to bottom, um, and I think that showed a little bit on Sunday when when Tech. Uh, <laughs> Took him a little bit of time to pull away from Clemson. Um, yeah, that loss at Duke, Geo, you and I were both there. Um, Duke is a physical, physical team, and it was honestly a kind of a mirror, a little bit of a mirror game, kind of deja vu back to last year's Duke game. Um, Elizabeth Kitley was better last year; she had four points, I think, in that game. This year, she had like eighteen and nine, or eighteen and eleven, something like that. Casual double double for her. Yeah. Um, but Virginia Tech struggled to match the intensity. Tech was good in the first quarter. Duke ramped it up in the second quarter. It was a two-point two or three-point game at half, maybe a five-point game at halftime. Duke comes out, punches Tech in the mouth with an 8-0 run. All of a sudden, Duke's leading. Georgia Amore goes down with an injury. It's a three-point game. Duke pulls away. It just just not just a tough, tough game. And I, I thought on Sunday, listening to uh, Elizabeth Kitley and Matilda Eck who talked to us after the game they spoke about how they did not react well after Georgia Amor went down after that game she was elbowed in the head she did not play against Clemson she was not in the building that snapped a 101 game starting streak, the third longest in program history she had started or played in every single game since stepping on campus and since in spring of 2020 like she's an integral part of what kenny brooks has built and when she went down against duke tech kind of looked lost and did not finish that game well against clemson kayla king goes down uh and virginia tech ends up winning that game and kayla king It appears to be okay. She did not have it looked like a knee thing, or Kenny Brooks said it was a knee thing, um, but she did not have it like it wrapped her ice or anything. So I think that that bodes well. Uh, Kenny Brooks said Georgia Amore is like is day to day. You know, she got elbowed in the head, kind of just taking it one day at a time, Um, but she's progressing well. But Gio, I thought the biggest thing was when Kayla King went down. Virginia Tech like did not skip a beat, And, and I know it's a little bit different when it's your point guard versus um, your shooting guard. But Kayla King is is a very important piece to this group as well. And how the team responded, Kenny Brooks said, he walked over to check on Kayla King on one end of the floor, walked back to the huddle and Liz Kitley's presence, her voice, her leadership kind of just bringing the team together. They were focused on what they had to do. And I think that's a learning opportunity. Tech, I, I was very interested to see how Tech battled against the adversity. It was going to face adversity with George, with not having Georgia Amore. It did Played two freshman point guards. Did not necessarily play clean basketball. Had twenty turnovers. Uh, I'm getting to cover a lot of turnovers. Yeah, in you are lately. Um, but it overcame it. It played good defense. Second half, it shot like sixty-five percent and and, um, and and really buckled down. I thought it got contributions from everybody. Everybody kind of stepped up. And Kenny Brooks said. <clears throat> He told his players, don't try to be Georgia anymore. Just be the best versions of yourself. I, th- I think Tech got that. Elizabeth Kitley casually had 31, I Casually. Think. Casually.
0: And she broke the castle record for field goals in a I game. Know. yeah. Which is so Wow, bl- really? Yeah, it 15. 15. Wow. but it, it went so her, like her record table. is 17 in, perfect, in other yeah. games. You're right. That but, was at
3: George Washington. Yeah, in, t- in uh, 2021. Yeah, nice. Nice pull. uh, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think this was a game that Virginia Tech kind of needed. I was very curious to see how Tech responded. How do you you respond to adversity? You don't have your All-American point guard who's played every single minute, or not every single minute, every single game for the last four years. And Tech figured it out, kind of pieced it together. Kayla King was huge. The freshmen were big. Um, Good win. Yeah.
2: Oh, go ahead, Chris. Tech has two All-Americans, obviously. Their issue this year... Has been the consistency of the role players and everybody finding their roles. When you lose J. Georgia Amore, and I'm not saying I'm glad she got hurt because I'm, I'm not, but that forces everybody into bigger roles, and you have to learn how to play within the system. Then when she's gone, and you can get guilty, even you know subconsciously of when you're playing with two you know, elite players like that, you can get guilty of ball watching and just uh, waiting for them to make a play, right? Well, if one of them's not out there, you know, it's got to be different. So I, I I think Tech has an opportunity to be a better team because they lost her for a game. Uh, if everybody, if it helped everybody else grow and understand their roles and and, and things, assuming like that. she's going to be okay, assuming she's going to be okay, which I think she will, uh, you know, I think it's just a Hunter Couture deal because she was not at the game because uh, just like Couture was not at the Miami game because when you're dealing with a concussion protocol, you want to keep them away from light and noise and and, and things like
0: that. But, uh, and it was up I, I there.
2: Yeah, I, I would I would guess that she'll be ready to roll. Uh, next game yeah
0: but that was well said david I, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on obviously in georgia's absence you're forced to play uh, a red shirt freshman or a true freshman uh in samaya Suffren or carly wenzel at the point feels like samaya Suffren just just offers this jolt of energy uh when she's in the ball game <gasps> do you prefer carly at the one or do you prefer samaya Suffren or do you think kenny's mixed them in nicely
3: I think the biggest thing is you have to have players that can handle the ball. It doesn't matter who it is. And uh, Samaya Suffren, I think, I'm, just, I, I'm I'm surprised, like, looking back on it, surprised that that she didn't get more run in some of those early ACC games because, you know, and I know Tech was, some of them were very, very close, but then she comes out and plays the final 17 minutes at Duke. Like, that's surprising. And that was when George Amor was on the floor. Like, she, she came out, she was playing, like, uh, her, she attacked the basket. She was important in
0: that game. Eight points down the stretch, right? Second yeah, like half, yeah, I eight, or, eight or nine. Nine, nine. Nine. Uh, nine.
3: She was important, and then she comes out in this game, and you know you're gonna have to play her. And I thought Carly Wenzel was was pretty good at, t- at at times in this game. I think both of them were. They had nine combined turnovers. Was that? But they had eight combined assists and i think you saw a lot of the bright spots uh especially in that especially in that second half um i think i think you i think if you leave them out there for too long both of them to like you know leave one out for too long or the other out for too long the a mistake will will add up eventually just because they're young they're freshmen they they they're still getting used to it but I liked how Carly Wenzel responded yesterday. She made some very silly plays, and then in the second in the second half, late in the fourth quarter, I think she made some beautiful passes. She had one where she zipped it down to Liz Kitley, easy layup, and like those are the plays. You know, I remember Kenny Brooks talking about why she redshirted last year. It's like because <coughs> because she's still young and immature in some ways, but then she still has some of the brightest flashes on the team and she does things like that um i think i think that's a pretty good combination i think they're both going to be outstanding players at Virginia tech and i think they both took steps forward because they both had to learn how to manage the game and i think the player the most important player in yesterday's game in my opinion was kayla king because she ran the point for a good chunk of the game as well she had a career high nine assists yesterday. She didn't really turn the ball over. She kind of helped everybody settle down. She calmed things down. You need that kind of calming presence. She knows who to get the ball to. It's her all American teammate. Right. And, 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 and she kind of helped everybody kind of find the flow of the game without stressing too much. And, and she got some, got some of her shots as well, but, um, I, I think the biggest thing is is tech learned how to play without Georgia Amor. And that's something that I don't think you know, like Tech Tech missed Elizabeth Kitley for a game last year against Virginia and, and played okay. Um, and I think and, and it wasn't something serious that Tech just held her out. But if I remember correctly, I walked away from that game thinking, okay, that's very interesting. The fact that Virginia Tech like, can play pretty well without Elizabeth Kitley. It took Tech some time in this game, mostly because the players you're falling back on are very, very young and very inexperienced. But to be able to come out with a win, and I think the you know playing in, in front of 6,400 people in Castle Coliseum helped. That's a that's a big step forward. I think everybody took a big step forward because they had to move the ball. They couldn't rely on Georgia just just to create. They had to move it. The other, the, the other two players, Olivia Sumiel and, and Matilda Eck, I thought were both really good. Um, I think Sumiel had the play of the game where ball went to her in the corner. She hits a, a three in the second quarter. Virginia Tech was 7 of 19 at that point. Afterwards, it was 22 of 34. And Tech kind of just ran away with the game from there. A- and you need your veterans to come up and make big plays in that moment. So I know I kind got of got off track. No, a tiny, no, no, but no. I kind of tried to Not encapsulate everybody,
2: but I, but I think it was a good win. I'll tell you what I like. So I like it. Virginia Tech is using their version of the twin towers a little bit. It's like yeah. David Track. Robinson and Tim Duncan, and yeah. the game Claire Strack the and Elizabeth yeah. Kelly. Uh-huh.
0: That, that is a fun lineup to to watch for sure. Um, what did you think about one? I I I wanted to say I like watching Wenzel off the ball when, when Suffren or King were running the point, and and Wenzel has the opportunity. She had a nice play where she got it on an extra in the corner and then she had a baseline drive and just her ability to move off the ball and get herself open then set things up there i thought she did nicely at the two uh karis baker only four minutes did that surprise you at all david because she's played a big role i mean she was huge in that nc state game hit a couple of threes two big rebounds were you surprised at all they'll only see four minutes i think i
3: think that this is a game where you kind of ride the hot hand like i think and i think that's kind of what kenny brooks has done a lot this year you ride the hot hand you kind of let let everybody play a little bit, but if if you've got players that are making shots and players that are not, and players that are moving the ball and players that are not, um, I don't think there's anything specifically against Karis because she's shown that she can she can play well. Um, but I think he needed Kayla King on the floor and he wanted multiple ball handlers on the floor, and I think it was all about breaking Clemson's two three zone and 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 who he thought was going to be most effective. And Karis is. Effective when she's knocking down threes, but you have to also have to think on the other end. Okay. Well, what is the best matchup defensively? Um, I think at times there were, there was a point in that game yesterday where tech went Olivia, Somiel at the three, Clara Strack at the four and Elizabeth Kitley at the five. That's a very big lineup. Um, and I believe it was Matilda Eck. Who's, you know, not small at all. I mean, she's pretty, she's pretty uh, big for a, a, a wing. Um, and maybe Carly Wenzel at the point. I mean, they they or or Samaya they went big at times. I, th- I think it's all just mismatches. And and Kenny Brooks knows he's got a a pretty good rotation, good bench. But he said it before. Part of the game, part part of this game for him now is he doesn't know who's going to step up on any given night, right? It can be Karis Baker go for eighteen and Clara Strack go for. Fourteen, Or it could be Carly Wenzel has 11 and Samaya Suffren played. Like, he's still trying to figure it out. Rose Mishaw had, I thought, a big game against Florida State last Sunday. She only played three minutes yesterday. So I think it's kind of just taking what the game has given you and playing the players who are playing well and, and rolling with it. And I think Tech's ability to kind of transform a little bit play mold play in, in multiple different lineups, throw different things at it. I think it it tech's very versatile if everybody's playing well and playing their roles. But I think and Kenny Brooks joked yesterday that he went into that yesterday's game playing without George Amor at the age of fifty five and came out at the age of sixty five because that's how mm-hmm. it took ten years of his it the game took ten years <laughs> of of his life off of him. But if I know it gives him a little heartburn to not know who exactly is going to come out and contribute.
0: But the fact that you know somebody's always going to be doing it, I think, is is a pretty good thing. I am absolutely stoked for the upcoming women's hoop schedule. Uh they got Georgia Tech coming up on Thursday. That's inside Castle Coliseum. And then you got four really tough games Are you uh, going? coming up at Qs. I was I was literally just thinking about that as I'm taking a look at this. Maybe it's 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 far, man. It's ten hour. Are you going? No, 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 because because the men are
3: at home on Saturday. The
0: only reason I'm tempted is it is, it is a weekend, um, which makes things significantly easier there. But but anyways, who wouldn't uh, want
2: to go to Syracuse in late January?
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, it'd be nice to my mom. It would be a nice surprise to see my mom. I, I think she would probably cry if I just knocked on the Boy, front door. It's not
2: going to be much of a surprise now. GF.
0: Yeah, I honestly, I don't think she watches. <laughs> 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 to, to be honest, but uh, but anyway, uh, you got Georgia Tech. Then you're at Cuse. Don't don't kill the messenger, but Cuse is good. They have not lost a home D'Asia, game this okay, year. Fair. Deasia fair, fair. fair. They just beat Florida State in the dome. I mean, Florida State's well, good. it's hard to play in the dome. Well, they uh, Florida State's a good team, and Cuse just beat them. Yeah. so um, they're on. They're 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 looking good this year. Uh, Virginia coming up inside Castle. Then you got at number twenty three North Carolina. Then you got at number four NC State. I mean, that's a gauntlet right there. So so it's shaping up to be a fun but but very enduring uh, couple of weeks here for Virginia Tech women's hoops.
3: Yeah, and I think you know right now you got Georgia Tech on Thursday. Georgia Tech's a, a team kind of in the middle of the pack of the ACC. Then you go to Syracuse. You're going to need George Amore at Syracuse. DeAsia Fair is the real deal. She just eclipsed 3,000? What was it?
0: 3,000? I believe. Points? I believe. Uh, l- let me fact check that. You you should know this off the top of your head, Mr. Syracuse. Uh, listen. Listen. Dude. It, it, people in Syracuse, it's actually very unfortunate, do not care about women's basketball. They get like 200 fans there, which is why when I came here, I was like, wow, this is really cool how the support. for And this has made me... Of women's hoops fan, so I I did not grow up following Syracuse women's basketball. Yeah, yeah, you know, decided to enjoy the game as a fan. You know, it was a good time. Josh good Allen time. jersey didn't yes. work out. Didn't yes. work out that, so hot. That was a tough one <laughs> uh, yesterday. But uh it, what are you fact checking over there? Three thousand career points. Yeah. There we go. Oof. Yeah, she's pretty good. Uh, I
3: just I shout out Donna Tota. I went to her t- Twitter page because I knew she had tweeted about it. Um Yeah, no, I Syracuse is good. Virginia. You get them in Castle. Um, Tech goes to UVA the last game of the regular season. Uh, but then and Carolina and NC State back-to-back. I mean, and, like, like again, in this league, like, you can't just not prepare for Georgia Tech. You can't just not prepare for Virginia. Um, but I, I like where Tech sits right now. Um, they, they've, they've been playing good – they've been playing fun basketball. And, and I think – yeah they they didn't play well against duke but i think they needed to learn from it like and i don't mean just that a more injury but i think of the duke game last year they had to kind of learn from playing a good duke team and understanding okay duke's gonna defend duke's gonna be really really physical we have to we have to put Gitley in different spots and we have to understand it. if a team defends us like this, we have to be able to counter it like this. It, it made Kenny Brooks a better coach, I think. He he hates going there because I don't you know, he would he will claim and, and I think Tech has a valid point that sometimes Tech doesn't get calls down there and Duke just roughs everybody up and plays very physical. But if you if you can learn from the experience it makes you a better team in the future. And kind of like what you said, right? Learning how to play without Georgia Amor. Assuming Georgia's fine and she'll be back soon. I, I think that's a positive because that's not something you get to do every day, right? And I think I think the way Elizabeth Kitley played, the way Elizabeth Kitley carried herself yesterday was was really big. And, um,
0: you know, helps when you have an, an all, another All-American to compliment uh, the other one. Three out of Tech's next five uh, opponents are all ranked in the top twenty-five because Syracuse just got ranked number twenty-two. So three out of the next five opponents yeah. are top si- 25. Syracuse, teams. Carolina, NC State. Yep. They're all good. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun couple of weeks. Andy, you got anything on women's hoops for us? In uh 14? yeah,
1: Liz Kitley's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't want to you know, state the obvious here, but you look at these last six games 27 and 12, 27 and 12, 31 and 11, 30 and 12, 18 and 10, and the Duke loss, uh, 31 and 8. It's just such sustained excellence that it's almost taken for granted at this point. Like we, like we talked a lot in this whole podcast about what are these other players do and how they can contribute. And I mean, she is like the, the center of the solar system on this team. I mean, she's an incredible and just such a, a constant great threat on this team that I mean, how many years running now that she's been doing this here i mean it's it's just incredible to watch her and you know i think you know you talk about uh, role players and how they step up and georgia coming back i mean where how far this team goes in the postseason, I think it'll be interesting to see how Kitley elevates her game and how she handles, you know, physical play when they come after her. I think that was something you saw last year in the Final Four when, you know, LSU put a lot of bodies on her, then that became an issue there. But I mean, she's been playing incredible lately and, you know, no surprise, but I think sometimes <laughs> it gets lost in the shuffle, yeah. shuffle because it, she's
3: been doing it uh, for so long that it's just become routine. I don't know if I mentioned this on here before, but if Elizabeth Kitley could become the third player in ACC history, men's or women's, she'd be the third woman, to win three consecutive ACC Player of the Year awards, You, I'll, I'll give you the two women, uh, Alyssa Thomas and... Uh, Elena Beard. Elena Beard. I was looking it up yeah. myself. Yes. <laughs> uh, can Do you know who the two men are then, if you just looked it up? I'll three.
0: Be, I, I was going to... To win three ACC To win player? three
3: consecutive ACC Player of the Year's. Uh, one was at NC State and one was at UVA. David, David Thompson, Thompson and Ralph
1: Sampson. Yeah. Yes. Samson. Did you look it sense? up? I didn't look that no, okay, up, but cool. yeah. they're yes. pretty good yeah. players. I mean, <laughs> so
3: like, that's the company she would join. That's the pace she's on. Like she is That's <laughs> back in men's
1: basketball when guys didn't go pro after one good season. Right, exactly. So. That'll is, never happen again for me. She is
3: elite.
2: Like like soak it in, enjoy yeah. it. Yeah like, Imagine having eighteen and ten and it's considered an off game. Imagine being that know, good but like, eighteen and ten is an yeah, off that, game. That, that that That's is what, it's crazy. funny.
3: Kenny Brooks was asked about it yesterday and was just like, you know, she comes out here and has thirty one and, and she's asking me what more she can do. <laughs> and for a lot of players that's like a career high. Mm-hmm. And that was that's like her third thirty point game in the last two weeks.
0: Well, it's shaping up to be a fun couple of weeks here for Virginia Tech men's and women's basketball. Stay tuned. We're going to have a show on Thursday talking about this uh, Virginia Tech football schedule. What else is coming up on TSL this week, fellas, before we uh, turn the audience loose?
2: I'm going to do an inside the numbers on comparing turnover rates from the Mike Young era to the Buzz Williams era. I'll do that tomorrow. I've already compiled the numbers. I've just got to write it. Looking forward um, to it. Then, obviously, uh, we'll do a schedule column later on the week, which is always one of my favorite things to do. I, for me, I hope I hope Virginia Tech gets Clemson as early as possible. I, th- I think you know you play Rutgers at home. We already know that they'll, they'll, they'll be solid. Um, and then if you can play Clemson early, like the first couple of ACC games, like you'll know exactly who you are as a football team pretty early if you can get Clemson early on the ACC slate. As opposed to this past year when you didn't really know who Tech was until well into
0: the second half of the season. What's coming up for anybody else this week? Basketball stuff. I'll have a
3: Boston College preview later today. The women have Georgia Tech on Thursday, so I like we're we're busy, man. It's uh, basketball Tuesday in Castle, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday, Thursday. Mm. We're
1: not all busy. There's not a lot of football <laughs> so, <laughs> schedule stuff. I actually might help out David with the uh, the Duke game next Monday. We'll see about that. All but right. uh, you know, I get some recruiting stuff in terms of. Uh, I always take a historical look back five years ago, see how those recruiting mm-hmm. classes, because we always talk, you know, everybody signs, and everybody's oh, this guy's going to be a star, this, this guy's going to be, be a plate. star, and then you get get the five years out, and you go, not all of them were stars. There's always like a third that make it, a third that's sort of middling, and a third that kind of wash out, so. <laughs>
2: and then you beat out
1: Delaware State for players, and they become exactly. NFL guys. You know, yeah. Yeah, nobody saw Dorian Strong being the, the All-American type, and, and or Christian Derrissaw being the All-American type, but uh, <laughs> I, I like looking back at those and just kind of seeing where these guys ended up, and it's is even more interesting when the transfer portal era with all the opportunities they have uh,
0: post-tech. Sweet. And uh, Nick Brown's putting together a, an article this week of top 25 mustaches in Virginia Tech athletics history. So be on the lookout for that. And one,
3: and one more thing, that I don't want to get lost in the shuffle because they were off this week, but Virginia Tech wrestling is back at home on, on Friday too. Jack Brizendine is going to chat with uh, Tony Roby and some of, the, some of the, I think, or maybe some of the players this week, and he'll have a, a preview on that. And that's another home event. So a lot of stuff going on
0: outside of football I guess folks and it's crazy to say but you got uh, baseball softball women's lacrosse right around All the corner, corner already, already.
2: and Nick yeah. really should write that article or at least do a, a, a YouTube short on it. Because we've got all the old media guides dating back to the 80s in the office. You can flip through them and dude, all those dudes had mustaches back then. It looked crazy. Nice. Yeah. He Sounds like a Bud Foster. Bud me. Foster yeah. with yeah. a mustache.
1: Steiny had a mustache. He did have a mustache. Mike Gentry had a mustache. Oh, he had a it still does. They'll just yeah. like melt your face off. You just look at it. It's yeah. like, okay, I'll just start doing push ups <laughs> in your presence. That's how good your
0: mustache is. There we go. There we go. What is your, what is your fellow's ability to grow stashes? Like, have you ever even? I it grew a, a beard
1: in the pandemic,
0: in the and I was surprised that I did it somewhat well. You just recently changed that as your profile picture, right? On Twitter? Uh, or maybe I not. used to have one a yeah. while ago okay.
1: with it. Uh, I figured it was time to change it, though, since I hadn't <laughs> had <ended up being laughs> in a long time. But uh, my dad has a mustache. I don't know if that's a... Translated to my generation.
0: Uh, there we go. That well gotcha. Well, Nick Brown, the younger
1: generation. Nick, Nick, you guys are bringing it They're back. Definitely coming now. back.
0: Yeah, yeah. Nick, Nick, was the first one out of out of all the interns to uh, grow out the facial hair and go with the blonde stash. So uh, it's a bold look. Yeah, <laughs> indeed it is. I think that uh, that wraps things up for today. Thanks for joining us, episode three forty two of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Again, it was brought to you by First Bank and Trust Company for Nick Brown, for Andy Bitter, for David Cunningham. For Chris Coleman, I'm Giovanni Heater saying so long from Blacksburg. We'll see you on Thursday.